Well, officially, Father Jonathan, I might say Happy Easter. Happy Easter, yeah. I we, think you're absolutely allowed to say that because it's, here's a spoiler alert, it's still Easter. Very much so. I kind of made a big deal about this in my homily today for the second Sunday of Easter about like, if I were to, I even said this in my homily, I was like, if I were to ask you how many days are in Lent, I bet most of you would probably tell me. But if I asked you how many days are in Easter, I bet none of you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I use that to like pivot to a conversation around like, we're not built for Lent. We're built for mm-hmm. Easter, you know, and like, let's celebrate Easter with great generosity over 50 days, 50 days, 10 50 more than 40 days. <laughs> it's bigger than Lent. It is uh, literally bigger than the <laughs> resurrection is bigger than death. How about that, that? How about that? Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you and I took a little bit of a break last week. I was traveling and also I think we just needed <laughs> a little bit of a pause. Yeah. 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 That's allowed. I think a little Easter break. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's the glory of the resurrection. That's right. Take especially since especially since most of, and maybe we can talk about this today, most of these Sunday's readings are all going to be very similar. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how I can, I mean, I'll, I'll say, frankly, each of the readings in the second Sunday, and as we're going to talk about the third Sunday, could could be good content for a good homily, but it's also like, oh, another story of the persecution of the early church, or another story mm-hmm. of the preaching mm-hmm. of the apostles. Or another apparition of Jesus to the disciples on Easter Sunday. It's like, <laughs> yeah. another one, another one, another one. Yeah, um, keep going, keep going. Right, right. Um, so anyway, we'll see. We'll see how that pans out over 50 days. I wonder if it might just get a little stale. It's funny how we always say that with every season. Like, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> for the new thing. And then a weekend, oh my gosh, <laughs> this oh, so again. <laughs> oh, I'm so done with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. But that being said, I uh, I did, today was an interesting day for preaching. I um I actually preached in two different locations. I had two masses of the parish, one in English, one in Spanish. And then I also, just to give a little shout out, I actually got to preach today at the Missionaries of Charity. Oh, cool. That's oh, those, that's so great. Those women are great. So every every Sunday, they have a public mass for anybody that comes to volunteer, but also people off the street um, mm-hmm. to come. And so I, I want to just mention this to you as sort of a general uh, statement, maybe something we could talk about at a future date or, or whatever. But I, as I was sitting there in front of the congregation, listening to the readings and looking out into the crowd, I thought to myself, this is a crowd that I need to adapt my message to. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't oh, just... Yeah. I can't just preach uh, like I normally would abstracted from the concrete reality of the space I'm in. I'm in like a house of refuge for the homeless of the city with the missionaries of charity, women dedicated to the service of the poorest of the poor. Like, how can I just talk as if I were in my church? You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. It's got to change. Yeah. Yeah. And so it did. It did. And not drastically. The homily was basically the same between both, but it was it was more or less the same. Um my homily this week was mostly focusing on that the first reading for the second Sunday was Peter uh, preaching, and the second reading was John at Patmos, and then it was Thomas. And so just talking about how Peter and John were affected by the resurrection and how that changed them to become prisoners for Christ and preachers of the gospel, and mm-hmm. how Thomas was left waiting for his experience, and how all of us are given a privileged experience of Christ in our baptism and in the Eucharist, and why doesn't it change us? <laughs> Why doesn't it yeah. affect us, you know? And so that was sort yeah. of my rallying call today. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I went and hung out with the Order of Preachers again this week. Nice. Um, it's a really beautiful space. The homily was not terrible. It was actually shorter than I was expecting. It was only around seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The preacher had such a, like a slow, like had he been speaking at a normal 
pace, he probably could have finished it in about three and a half, four minutes. <laughs> uh, so it was a little, I, I just find those, those guys to be, and I'm a slow speaker, like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to think at least that I'm, that I, ver- that I vary things up a little bit to keep people interested. Right. Right. Um, but it was, I, yeah, I was struggling. I was struggling. Do you remember uh, what the, what I don't the even remember, which is point. usually a good sign. Um, to be honest, like I, I almost always only ever remember the bad homilies. <laughs> so oh. if I can't remember it, it's usually a good sign that it was it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gets to a meta point about like, is is the homily something that needs to be remember, like memorable or does mm-hmm. it just need to like elicit in the moment uh, a disposition mm-hmm. for what comes after? The Eucharist. Yeah. No, that's a good question. And I can go kind of either way on that, especially since I record my homilies. But like... Mm-hmm. Um, no, but that's good. I like that. Hey, just really quick, uh, before jumping into the third Sunday, just <laughs> one other uh, general comment about uh, mass and homilies and readings. Uh, that is an interesting thing. Uh, so today I was sitting in the in the church, and during the first reading, I didn't really make anything of it. Um, and then the psalm was fine. But the second reader came up and started reading from the first letter of St. Peter. And I was like, what's going on? It's supposed to be Revelation. Uh, I didn't notice it in the first reading because it was from the same book, but they were reading the wrong year's readings. Uh-huh. And I, <laughs> what would you do in that situation as a preacher if you've prepared your homily based on the readings? Uh, I would not make the reader feel like they did anything wrong, even though they did, right? <laughs> you, you know, you'd, you'd read the wrong thing. That could mm-hmm. be, an, that could, there could be a number of reasons why that happened, maybe... Like, and I could, and I could imagine myself doing this. Like you get up there and it's not what you had prepared. You're like, I prepared the wrong thing. Right. When no, you did prepare the right thing. You're just looking at the wrong page. Yeah. Which also means that you need to go actually go up there and make sure that you know where you're the reading that you're supposed to be doing, you know, all that stuff. Okay. Okay. To answer your question, I probably would, um, yeah, find some way to reference the reading that, you know. If those of you that were following along, you know, that kind of a thing, <laughs> that kind of a thing, yeah, like you may yeah. have noticed a difference. Um, quite honestly, I, and I say this all the time, I love when that kind of chaotic ness, cha- that sort of chaos when that breaks out, I love that stuff. Like what's mm. going to happen next? And I should clarify that too. Like it's not, not so much so that I think that I don't need to know what I'm doing. Like I think a lot of you know, Jesuits have that reputation of having a bad, being bad at liturgy. That's not what I mean by that. Like, you just never know what people are going to do. Yeah, yeah. Which is why we should know the liturgy extremely well, because things like that are going to happen. So yeah. Yeah. what do you do with that? And how do you roll with it? Because you can't just stop everything and say, oh, we got to do it again. We've got, that's being just as ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I may have committed a faux pas. <laughs> I don't know. I got Ooh, up and I, you... I went up and got oh. went up to the... <laughs> I, went I mean, up to if the... you noticed it early enough, then yeah, I could I see did. that being... As soon as she said a reading from the first letter of Peter, I got up and went to the ambo. And I didn't do so in, yeah. a, huff, in a huff and puff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's and... fine. I think that's fine. Um, like, I probably, like, I probably would not have recognized it until it was too late. Yeah. And the, my thing was that I didn't notice it in the first reading because it was from the right book, and I wasn't oh, really... Oh, I see, I see. Oh, you know? so th- both readers, it was yeah. on the wrong... It was oh, on the wrong year. It was on the wrong year. Wow. Yeah. Oof. 
Yeah, but it's okay. It, it ended up working well because the second reading, like I needed, I wanted to reference John on Patmos and I wanted to reference Peter preaching. Luckily, the book of, the, of Acts is easy to reference regardless, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, hey, how about the third Sunday? What are you thinking? We got the disciples in front of the Sanhedrin and then yeah. we have uh, the book of Revelation again with, I think we're going to have Revelation for the remainder of mm-hmm. Easter. Mm-hmm. And then we have the appearance in John 21 on the Sea of Galilee. So I have a number of thoughts, mm-hmm. and I get, I get it, right? I get that we are now post-resurrection. This is the church on the move. We have to get out there and preach, um, preach Christ crucified and resurrected, all that good stuff. But I miss the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You know? Yeah. Now, this, but this reading from Acts in particular, I think, is a good reminder that even though we may we may not be reading the Old Testament, we still have to be worshiping through the lens of that, because he says it very explicitly: the God of our ancestors raised Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like this is not something new. This is a continuation. This is a. Um, I mean, okay, it is a newness in the in in God taking on flesh, dying and res- and rising. So there's obviously a newness there, but but it's in the context of. The revelation that God has already given, yeah, through through the prophets, through the law, through all of that good stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, even though we don't have a reading from the Old Testament, we still have to think about the God of our ancestors. Right, right. I'm actually kind of surprised that you're saying this because usually the Book of Acts, I think the Book of Acts is pretty much exclusively read during Easter, and so you know, to miss the Old Testament yeah. is understandable. But it's like, when else do we read? I don't think we read Acts ever. Other than oh, for Acts. sure, for sure. And I love Acts. I mean, I think it's a great. I think people need to read it more often. Yeah. Uh, because there's such great imagery, there's such great preaching, there's such great struggle and failures. Uh, you know, actually, as a as a note for the future, uh, you know, maybe I can say this to my future self. Since since Easter is all New Testament, everything that we get in the Sunday masses is New Testament. Really focusing during Lent, perhaps on the first reading, uh, mm. with all the Old Testament stuff, which mm. we actually didn't do. You and I, when we were mm-hmm. sp- speaking during Lent, we kind of like skirted the New Test, the Old Testament, most of the times because it was. It was all these very evocative things in the gospel, you know, with the yeah. transfiguration and with the uh, woman at the well or whatever, you know, uh, or the prodigal son. Whereas like now we're not given any Old Testament readings. So it's kind of we're sh- we're short, we're short shrift, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's the thought that I've got with this one. I think otherwise it's a great, I mean, just like you were saying at the beginning, like I think it's important for us to recognize that immediately the apostles went out and began preaching. Mm-hmm. Like there, I love that immediacy. And it, you know, we talk about it when we, when we talk about certainly when we talk about the Gospel of Mark. You know, like this is Jesus on the move, and so we also need to be similarly on the move. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's look at the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, we're preparing for. You know how I like to prepare for things, so we're preparing for Pentecost coming up in fifty mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Um, so, like, how are we seeing the Holy Spirit at work? Are we seeing? Here's a question: Are we seeing the Holy Spirit at work mm-hmm. during this time because Jesus hasn't given it? I mean, yeah, we are clearly now because we are post the actual event. But anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the uh, my my general feeling is maybe just a little bit of uh, uninspiredness with this gospel, just because it's so tried. Uh, I don't know. I with this gospel. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I so maybe I'm just tired currently as I sit here, <laughs> but I like this is 
this is one of those gospels where preachers typically go like the, well, this is an allegory for the church, the bark of Peter, et cetera, et cetera. Or they go to the angle of, well, he's, he's uh, reconciling back the three doubts, mm-hmm. you know, with the three questions about mm-hmm. love. Um, the linguistic thing, the type of love. Yeah. The type of love. And it's like, there's all these sort of like preaching, uh, these kind of hackneyed things with preaching on this gospel that I'm not really sure what angle really draws me in. I don't really have much yeah. right, right now that draws me in other than, um, you know, maybe, I mean, Jesus calls them children. Uh, have you caught anything to eat? They answered no. And then he says, come have breakfast. Like there's this very familial relationship of attending to the disciples, like Jesus tending to them. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's something there that the fruitfulness of the mission of the church requires to constantly be fed by Jesus. Like there's something yeah. that, that draws me in there, you know? No, I think there's something there. And I, I have kind of my go-to thing that I preach on with this particular gospel, which is the fact that they, Jesus says, um, just like you said, bring, bring what you've brought, you know, with that I told you where the fish were. It's, I always laugh at that. It's like, try the right side <laughs> of the boat. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm no fisherman, but... I, <laughs> it's right. Uh, sure you think they'd have works. tried that. <laughs> or that the fish don't really, like, stay on one side of the boat. I'm not sure yeah. that's how fishing works. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no, what I really love about this is um, Jesus says, bring some of the fish, you just, fish that you just caught. But what do we see before that? Literally the line before, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Mm. So even though Jesus is asking them to bring the bounty of their catch, he doesn't need it. And in fact, he's going to feed them with what he already has, which mm. is, I mean, you know, his body. Um, but he's still asking them to bring to bring what they have. I, and I love that I, that image of, like, because we always think we're going to, you know, we're going to come and... and save or you know we, we get this messiah complex it's like no man jesus is the one that that feeds us he's the one yeah. that actually sustains us right um, Ac- but he's yeah. still but he's still asking us to bring our talents to bring ourselves to bring all that we've got because that's good too yeah yeah i gotta tell you though what's interesting and i'm sort of making this connection now as you're talking is that the the emphasis on jesus feeding them then turns to jesus telling peter to feed the lambs mm-hmm. so like there's a as you've been fed feed you know yeah yeah um i don't think i ever realized that so like jesus feeds them and then tells him and commands him to feed the sheep and feed the lambs um and so that I mean, whole eucharistic dynamic this is eucharistic is, yeah. yeah as you have received yeah. so invite others to receive as well you know yep yep um Maybe uh, maybe this is a silly sort of like over-focus on the words, but uh, the fact that it's breakfast maybe is an important thing that you could <laughs> preach on. Like, like breaking the fast. Yeah, you're breaking the fast, whatever the fast is. I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe you can do some thinking and praying with that of like um, Jesus interrupts the fast or like mm-hmm. the long waiting is over, you know, uh, with Jesus. He's come to give us breakfast and his food is the, the breaking of the fast. Um, of whatever it is, you know, whatever circumstance or fasting or time spent in the desert, like Jesus comes to break that fast. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I love this gospel for a number of reasons. I always used to talk about Peter's moment jumping in the water as a baptism of sorts. Hmm. Like he comes out different than he went in. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's very similar to the account from, I think, Matthew's gospel, of the calling of the dis- of the, the fishermen mm-hmm, of, P- mm-hmm. of Peter, um, you know, let down and leave. They leave in that case. They leave their 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 great catch 
and follow him. And now yeah. they're bringing it right, right to the table. You know, one of the one of the details here that I again I wouldn't really want to. Pre- I, I here, here's my thing with this gospel is that there's a lot of little details like what I'm about to say that a lot of like commentators on this passage point out as like symbolic things. So one of the things, for example, is that the disciples bring the nets, but then Peter is able to carry it all of it himself. And mm. so just an emphasis on the role of Peter as as head of the disciples, as prince of the apostles, um, yeah. like they drag the nets, but he carries all of the nets alone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something interesting there, but I don't really I wouldn't preach on these things because they're just sort you know, of like interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're I'm I'm thinking of something that our novice master t- certainly told me and I'm sure he told you um, before we went on the, the long retreat as first year novices that when you certainly when you go and talk to the the director about your prayer experience it's not about these little neat things that you think you learn from the gospel like these little epiphanies or these little insights that's right that's not that's not what your prayer is about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> your prayer is a, is is walking with Jesus getting closer to Jesus mm-hmm. And so I think there's something similar, you know, we've got, a, we've got, I think there is a desire to build a homily off of these little insights, like, oh, that's neat, let me talk about that, oh, that's also neat, let me talk, it's like, yep. it's true, they are neat, <laughs> right, acknowledge, acknowledge that, maybe you, you start a, 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 a scripture class or whatever, like, that's the place to talk about that kind of thing, preaching mm-hmm. as in the retreat, as praying, is something different that has to be more about that encounter, and so how do we distill all, maybe, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think there are details in the gospel that can open up uh, for a homily. Like, for example, today when I preached on Thomas, it's something that you and I talked about last year, is that the whole detail of Thomas being uh, for a whole week, you know, that whole week later, that I preached on that detail, that mm-hmm. he was a week later having to suffer the joy of the other apostles, you know. Um, and what that experience was like for him to have not yet seen the Lord, but to have have to struggle with other people's experiences of having God near to them. Um, so like those details are good, but I think that it's very easy to get lost in those, not even weeds, they're yeah. little pearls yeah. Um, yeah. where it's like, oh, that's neat. And I think the word neat kind of grasps at um, just sort of the, the sacred nature of these things. It's like, okay, wow, 153 large fish. That's the number of nations that there were thought mm-hmm. to be in the world. And cool. <laughs> but like, the, go deeper. Like what's actually going on? And actually, it's there is the catechetical component to the preaching. Absolutely. And like, it's good to open up the text to point out these things. But if you're going to stay honest about what the homily is doing, which is breaking open the scriptures for the sake of con- like setting a heart on fire to receive the Eucharist, then don't get lost in these sort of curiosities, you know, but yeah. instead, what is, what is the heart of the text? What is the text driving at? And it's, it's a lot. I, don't, I mean, this text is, there's a lot of movements in it and I don't, I wouldn't want to get lost in just sort of <laughs> the, the weird quirky details, you know? Um, but at the same time, like a word like breakfast might open up something for me about the dynamic of what's happening here is that they are they are fruitless in their fasting until Jesus is the one who feeds them or something. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like there's a homily there by looking yeah. at that detail. Absolutely. And I think that's the way that, yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, the more it's like, and I actually disagree. I don't know if I should, I should say that out loud publicly even, <laughs> um, that a homily should be catechetical. I think it shows a lack of catechesis in in as a whole when people think that they need that in the homily. 
Right. Because right. that may, and it may be the only time that they get something like that, which is a shame. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And and we shouldn't, we shouldn't solve the problem by making a longer homily or just making a homily about catechesis. That's right. It's like, that's not, that's not addressing the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's creating a new problem. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, really quick, uh, as my parting thought, uh, I just want to point out, <laughs> I kind of chuckled at this, the Alleluia verse is not scripture. <laughs> so mm. I don't really know where why we do this sometimes. We put non-scriptural things here. Um, yeah. Like, I know that the sequence is never scripture, but still, like, this is, Christ is risen, creator of all. He has shown pity on all people. I'm not sure how that, <laughs> it's like someone like. Yeah, I mean, like the antiphons are sometimes scripture, but not always. Yeah, this Alleluia like verse antiphon. doesn't really do much for me. Like, it's someone like put, individual phrases in a hat and pull them yeah <laughs> and pull them out but yeah cool cool any parting thought from you uh just to say you know i don't know if this has been an elephant in the room but we totally ignored the book of revelation um mm. and i think that's not necessarily a bad thing there's a lot of weird <laughs> stuff that happens in revelation yeah and i don't know again kind of to my point on catechesis is is the homily a, the time to break open that book I kind of don't think so. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but Bishop Barron right now in his homily series is exclusively preaching on the book of Revelation for Easter. Is that right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, maybe, okay, yeah. I haven't heard his homilies, but maybe. No, but to your point, I mean, he, he goes very catechetical. Like he goes like yeah. really wanting to open up this book. And it's like great for homilies, like for a series on the book of Revelation, but yeah, like to ignore the gospels in a Sunday mass, I find a little too much, yeah. you know? Yeah. Anyway, cool, bud. <laughs> Till next time. All right, pal.